Lord, I thank you today for your goodness, and I thank you for all that you're doing. And I pray, Lord, as we come to the word, open our eyes, give us ears to hear, and let us listen to heaven, and let us come out transformed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So last few weeks, church, we've been talking a lot about the heart. We're going to continue to talk about the heart. But you know your heart is much more than just this physical pump here. It's right up here. This is the real problem. You're like stinking thinking, or hopefully it's better than stinking thinking. But this is where the problems lie. A lot of the times, our heart is pumping just fine. But what's going on is up here. No, I don't like them. No, they didn't look at me well. No, no, I'll, be, I'll, I'll not be this. We, we think all of those things. And if we think them, then there's a chance they come out or we do them. But today what I want us to talk about is hearts restored. Yeah, you ever had your heart restored or your life restored? Or you ever been in a situation where you needed restoration? Well, the good thing about Jesus is he's been doing it from the start. All the way from the start, he would open blind eyes. He would uh, cause limbs to grow. He would cause men to walk, women to walk. He would just he would just be all over the place. Miracles, transformation, breakthrough, and ultimately he resurrected our lives. Ultimately, he restored our lives, and he restored this broken relationship that we had with our father. You know, it's like God was there, but we didn't know him or weren't aware of him. We couldn't talk the same way as we used to. We couldn't communicate the same way as we used to. And then Jesus came and he restored all things. So if you need restoration today, you need Jesus because he does it. He's incredible in all the ways that he restores. And today as we look at it, I want to encourage you this, that our mission for Arma is restoration. We are in a mission to see this city transformed. Uh, we, this building was a metaphor. We got this building and then we restored it. Uh, and if you were here during the process, then we had a lot of fun along the way. But now we get to use this building and it's become a lighthouse in it. And, and everything else during the week that it does from mothers and toddlers to baby clubs to people coming in to meet, to people coming in to get coffee, to people coming in to do all sorts of things. It has become a useful place for God. And God says, I want to restore you so that you can become useful in my hands also. That you can go and make a positive difference. That you can go and see broken lives restored. And that your heart makes all the difference. Or maybe I point here. That your heart will be transformed into its true likeness. That your mind will be totally transformed into the ways that God has for you. You see, what's important to think about when we talk about restoration is that something has to be lost. For something to be restored, something has to be lost. And, and maybe today you're already beginning to think of, yeah, I've lost this and I've lost that. One time I lost my ring. I didn't do it on purpose. Don't tell like you. No, no, I, I lost it by accident. Uh, and then the girls find it for me. Raise the Lord. I was thinking how much it cost. Uh, but, you know, I, I find that. You know, the, I, I was restored. So if something's lost, then it needs to be restored. For you, it might be a relationship. For you, it might be, I, I've lost some money. There's nothing better than when you've lost money because that's, that's horrible. Then when you find it, you go, yes, I feel like a millionaire, even though it's a pint. But you just feel so happy because you find what you lost. Or, or maybe it's a, a teddy or, or it's a toy or it's hopefully it's not a car. But, you know, you find what you lost and you go, yes, rejoicing because I got it back. Well, it's the same with God. He restores things. And we've lost some things along the way. And maybe today you've lost some things along the way. And I want us to delve into a story of a woman from the Old Testament who lost some things. But along the way, the Lord restored her. So we're going to go to 2 Kings. We're going to go all the way back. The second Kings chapter four in the Old Testament. See, the thing about loss as you're turning there or getting it on your phone is that it's, it's horrible. You know, the feeling of loss is it can feel final. It can feel like, well, there's no way back now. 
It can feel like, well, that's gone forever. Uh, and maybe you've seen it disappear into the distance and you thought, well, it's gone. It's gone forever. I'll never get it back. There's almost like a forced acceptance. It's like if you lose a loved one, it's like, I'm not going to accept this. I'm not going to accept this. And eventually you must accept it because they're dead. It's just unless the Lord chooses to resurrect them, then there's no way back. It's horrible, the feeling of loss. It's horrible, the feeling that you're forced into because you must accept that if you don't, then you get stuck in a loop. You just go round and round and round in circles. But today, if you're in a loop, we're going to get you out of it. Amen? If you're in a loop today, then we're going to pray and believe that the Lord wants to take you through and bring it to the other side. But here's what it says, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. We're not going to have time to read it today, but we're going to read a few verses. It says, one day, Elisha, and just to note, Elisha is a prophet in the Old Testament. Elisha is the guy who worked under Elijah, uh, and after Elijah died, he said to God, give me a double portion of whatever Elijah had. In other words, all the power that Elijah had, God give me at times too. <laughs> I'll receive that too. So if you are maybe a bit discouraged in your prayer life or you're not sure what to pray tomorrow, say, Lord, I want to be like Elisha. Give me a double portion and get ready. You're, gonna, you're just going to go. The Spirit of God is going to move on your life. But this is who Elisha, Elisha was, man of God. And it says he went to Shunan, which is just a, a place, a location. And a well-to-do woman, or a wealthy woman, or a well-noted woman, I'm looking around and seeing many incredible ladies here, it says that he met an incredible lady. And he says, who urged him to stay for a meal. Now, I want you to note something. She recognizes the man of God, and she's prepared to sacrifice and show hospitality and generosity to bless the man. That's what she says. I want to bless you, sir. I want you to come to my home, and I want to bless you. But it's not for any other reasons other than kindness. Because she said to her husband... I know that this is a man who often comes our way. He's a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put him, put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there wherever he comes to us. Wow. I want you to think just for a moment today about the generosity of God. This is Elisha. Uh, this is the man of God. And he's traveling around because that's what the Lord has called him to do. And where he finds himself, he wants to be a blessing. But he meets this lady, and she wants to be a blessing back. And so she says, not only will I prepare a meal for you, I'll prepare a room for you. Wow, this is extraordinary. Now she's a good woman because she asked her husband. All good women need to ask their husbands. Amen, praise the Lord. Uh, she says to her husband, husband, can we spend some money? Because I want us to extend upstairs. I want us to build a new room. And the husband says, certainly, honey, I do whatever you say. <laughs> That's what all good husbands say. I'll do whatever you say, love. But they build a room, church. And this is extravagant. This is more than a meal now. This is costly. This is sacrificial. This is extravagant generosity and hospitality. And yet it's straight from the heart of God. I want you to think about it. This takes construction. This takes money. This takes time. This takes sacrifice. This takes cost. But all of it was worth it, she decided, because I want to honor the man of God. Wow. Maybe some of us are going to the architects after this. Praise the Lord. But... Notice the detail that she puts in. She says, I want there to be a bed there, a table there, a chair there, and a lamp there. This is not just any old thing we'll do. This is, I want the best of the best. Uh, uh, honey, I, I want us to do this thing right. If we're going to do it at all, let's do it right. I want to get the table in there, the chair in there, the lamp in there. I want to get the bed in there. This is going to be a great place for the man of God whenever he comes our way. Now, he's not coming exclusively to them, but she makes it her problem. She says, no, this is our responsibility. He's a man of God. We want to honor him. 
Notice this. It's extravagant generosity. And what happens next is absolutely amazing. Because verse 13, generosity is always contagious. It changes the culture. It says, tell her, Elisha was speaking, you have gone to all this trouble for us because you see the room now is blown away. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? I mean, this is what I love about generosity. It starts to get one up. It's like, well, I started off with a meal, and then I decided to extend our home and build a room, which is just extraordinary. And now Elisha's going, well, if she's doing that, i got to do even better. Okay, so can I talk to the king for you? You know, can, can I go to the, to the highest of high for you? Can, is this a big deal? This is not like going into Tesco and going, oh, quick, there's a good deal on, on, the, on the sweets by then, that'll do her. You know, like, this is not, no, this is extravagant. This is extravagant generosity. It's not just doing the minimum. It's one person going above and beyond. The next person going beyond, above and beyond, it becomes contagious. It's like, this is, this is awesome. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. We saw it in our building. You're literally sitting in a miracle. We have to keep reminding ourselves. Because I remember back to 2013, 14, when we saw this building, and it was 45000 and we said to the guys, does anybody got any money? And they laughed nervously, but I was serious. And then they began to give generously. And in eight weeks, we had all 45,000 from young people. And they say young people are no good. Young people are extraordinary. Amen? Come on, they changed the world. So do older people. They changed the world. People committed to God, doesn't matter what age they are, change the world. And church, we are here today to remind you that if you go for God with generosity, watch how God goes for you. Proverbs eleven twenty four says this. The world, this is from the message, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy, I know there's no people in here stingy, but it gets smaller and smaller. The world, world of the generous gets larger and larger. This is a kingdom principle. Those that don't have much but sow in spite of it into the kingdom of God reap an incredible reward. Those that hold back, hold back, hold back, will then we restrict how the Lord can bless. Are we into prosperity uh, for the sake of prosperity? No. But what I'm into is as we give to the Lord, he always blesses us extravagantly. And he's called us to be people that will bless extravagantly because we are to be like our heavenly father. Here's what it says, verse 25. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Wow, what an important truth. It's not about just me and me against the world and everybody help me. No, it's about going out and making a difference and watching how your blessing leads to more blessing, leads to more blessing. Generosity is costly, it's risky, but it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And, and I want to just slip it in because, you know, there are too many Christians that are living like everybody owes themselves, owes them something, and it's just robbing them of all that the Lord has. Come on, we are here because the Lord has blessed us and we give from that whatever will be our time or money, our heart, whatever we can because we know the Lord's extravagant blessing in our lives. And I'm so glad for this woman and her example. Now, today we're talking about restoration. And you're thinking to yourself in the story you might have already read on or you maybe already know the story, but this woman does have a problem. And, and yet in the face of this, in spite of her problem, she chooses to be generous because all of us have a choice to make. I'll, I'll wallow in my self-pity, I'll wallow in my hurt and my pain, or I'll continue to be a blessing. Because that's not going to be my identity, my faith in God is. My sonship or daughtership with God, that will be my true identity. It will not be what I'm going through, because I know what I'm going through could change and will change. And actually, as we recognize ourselves as children of God, that will have an incredible impact on it. And so here's what happens. Verse 14, what can we do for you, Elisha asked. 
Gehazi said, this was Elisha's servant, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. Verse 16, about this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. And look what she says. No, my Lord, small L. She recognized the man of God. She objected, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. You see, this is an incredible woman, a wealthy woman, but a woman with still some pain going on in her heart. She's got loss. She's known loss. She's dreamt of a son. It has never happened. She's dreamt of a son and it's never happened. But yet what I love about this lady is that in spite of what she didn't get, she's prepared to give what she does have. She's prepared to be a blessing, making rooms, lamps, beds, dinner. She's going to do all that she can. But inside there's still some loss. And this is what we're talking about today. What do you do when your heart is going through pain? Because many of us, if not all of us, if we're truthful, are following the Lord, but there's pain in our hearts. Many of us are following the Lord and there's loss in our hearts. And we love Jesus and we love to pray and we love to worship, but there's pain in our hearts. And what do we do with it? Or what is it doing to us? Could be the really important question. But what will we do next? And this one, this is what was crucial for this lady. What will you do next? She's like, sir, please don't play with my heart. Sir, please don't lead me down this wrong path because I have dreamt and I'm sure she prayed and I'm sure she prayed and I'm sure she prayed for a son. But for whatever reason, it never happened. And now the man of God comes and as easy as you like, he says, by this time next year, it's going to be done. You ever had one of those people that comes to you and says, oh, don't worry about it. God's going to take care of it. You're like, ah, like you don't realize the nights of worry that I'm going through. You don't realize the pain that I'm going through. And you've just said, don't worry about it. God's going to take care of it. How would you know? You know, sometimes that's our natural reaction or maybe it's just me. Or it's like, if I could get my hands around your neck, I'd like, ah. <laughs> like it's easy for you to say, but you don't know what I'm going through. And this is essentially what the woman's saying. She's saying, please, sir, please, man of God, please don't tease me. Please don't hurt my heart. Please don't let me down. But it's true. Verse 17, but the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. What a wonderful, wonderful story. And you're going, this is it. This is awesome. Everyone's going to be fine. They're going to be just, it's a brilliant testimony. It's going to go from strength to strength to strength, and everyone's going to be great. But of course, more tragedy is going to come. And the dream that the lady had is going to be the very thing that she loses. And what happens next, well, we're going to, we're going to read about it, and we're going to check it out. Verse 19 Son comes to his father. He's much older at this point. He's grown up. He says, Father, my head, my head. His father told the servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. Wow. Lord, what are you doing here? Lord, what? Like, could you imagine what must have been going through her head? I mean, she's bound to have been crying. She must have been weeping. She must have been broken. She, like, surely the questions would have been, Lord, why? Lord, why? Like, why would you send the man of God? Why would he say I'm going to have a son? Why would I have my son for what looks like years and then suddenly you take him from me? Why would he sit in my knee all morning and then at noontime he would die in my lap? Why? I mean, ever been there with that question? It's the shortest question on the planet, but it's the most difficult one. Why? And, and the more they hold on to it, the more it just becomes tougher and harder and tougher and harder. And whatever's your foundation suddenly becomes then the way you're going to deal with it. 
But I'm so glad that this lady, the way she lived her life before for years and years and years was generosity in the face of pain, was hospitality in the place of loss, was she postured her heart that in spite of what I'm going through personally, I know my God and I know he's generous and I know he's kind and he's not called me to live out of my pain, he's called me to live out of his life. And I'm going to live that way even when it's hard. I'm going to live that way even when it's difficult and I'm going to trust the Lord even when it seems impossible. It's an incredible story, church, and the story is not over. But what a tough loss. Because in the first instance, she'd possibly given up on her dream of a son. And then the man of God comes, and he resurrects the dream. And not only resurrects the dream, but the dream becomes reality. It's flesh and blood. He's a son. He's got a name. He's loved. He's had hugs. He's had dinner. He's had everything. And now the dream gets shattered. And our question must be, Lord, why did you put me through all of that? And yet she begins to hold on. And that's the heart that I want to put into some of us today. And the words of God I want to put into some of our hearts, into our minds. Hold on. Because you know what I have noticed? Maybe it's just me, but possibly it's you. Is that when you're going through the trials and you're going through the difficult seasons, when it gets so hard where it's just unbearable, you begin to write your own story. You begin to go, that's it, don't I? It just never happened. It just never happened. And, and, and maybe up until this point, the Lord's written your story, but when you get to that point where your mind just can't cope anymore, you tell other people, I just can't cope anymore, I just can't do it anymore. Instead of surrendering and falling before him, we begin to write. We begin to write, we begin to tell, uh, tell people, we begin to say, it's just never going to change, it's the way it's always going to be, I should never have trusted, I should never believe. We start to write. We start to write our own story. And my encouragement today is, don't write the next chapter. Don't even write the next sentence. And definitely don't write the end of the story because you've no idea what the Lord wants to do. And the real thing is to hold on. I know it's really, really hard at times. I've been there. I know that. I'm not at all trying to say that I know what you're going through, but I know what I've been through. And I just have to hold on whatever I've got. But what's really important is those seasons when it's good to build a firm foundation. And she did with generosity. She did with hospitality. And what I love about this woman is that she had a couple of things to hold on to. What makes her not give up is that she held on to, well, if God did it before, he could do it again. If God's been kind before, he could be kind again. It's like, well, I've been through many years of loss. I've been through many years of pain, but then God surprised me. Why couldn't he surprise me again? I'm going to choose to trust God even when it's difficult. I'm going to choose not to write the end of my story because I know the Lord has written a chapter I never even thought was possible, which was my beautiful son. I wonder, could he do it again? I wonder, could he do it again? Now, for the sake of time, I want to give you this next part of the story and we'll just summarize but I really do encourage you 2nd Kings chapter 4 read it all yourself and if you want the next part of the story go to 2nd Kings chapter 8 and it'll give you an even more exciting part of the story but the woman has a son he dies in her lap what do you do what do you do at that point do you trust God or do you not well it says that at that moment she goes to her husband she says husband we need to send the servant to the man of God he was the one who helped us before maybe he could help us again remember the people in your life that helped you before they're important people at those times if you uh, go to God of course but then there are people in your life you need to go to them as well and they're trusted friends saints that can pray and encourage you in those time uh, in that time of need and she says okay we got to get to the man of God but there's a bit of confusion her husband says I don't know if we can go can we send the husband well 
wife says, I'm not listening anymore. She gets on the donkey and the horse and she goes herself, her and the servant, and they go to find the man of God. They tell the man of God, or as they're approaching, it says that, that Elisha looks up and says, oh, is everything okay? And she goes, yeah, everything's fine, but I got to tell you something. The son that you promised, he's died. I don't know what to do. Elisha says, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to send my rod. He, the servant's going to take your, my rod. He's going to go lay it on top of, my, of your son, and, and something's going to happen. Well, nothing happened. Elisha turns up himself, and he gets there, and he physically gets on top of the son. And the story goes that as Elisha got on top of the son, that the heat from his body got into the heat of the son's body, which is now cold. And they were mouth to mouth. And, and life begins to stir, and things start to happen. And it says that Elisha got off, and he begins to walk and pace around the room. You see, sometimes you can pace around the room and it's because you're worrying and you're stressed and then sometimes you can walk around the room and you're praying. And this is what Elisha begins to do. And the Lord says, get back on top of him again. And as it got him back on top of him again, the sun comes alive. Wow. All becomes well. Everything that's been taken has now been restored because the Lord is able to restore all things. He's wonderful in all his ways. You cannot afford to write the end of the story. You cannot afford to write the next line or the chapter. You've simply got to hold on. You've got to trust him. And as Elisha leaves the room, the sun is completely well. What an incredible, incredible truth. But I want to bring you, as we're getting ready and geared up to finish, and the band's going to come in just a moment, is verse 21, my favorite verse of the whole thing. It says that the woman, she went up and led him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. Church, can, can you get what's going on here just for a moment? This is the room that she built for the man of God. And now this has become the room that's going to be a place of resurrection life for a son that died. Come on, the very place that she built and sacrificed became her place of resurrection life or place of even salvation. The very place that she built for somebody else became her place, became her place because it says when her son died, all she thought of was, I'm going to take him to the place where the man of God sleeps. I'm going to take him, I'm going to lay him on the bed where the man of God sleeps because that's the only thing I know to do. I've got to go to the presence of God. I've got to go to the presence of God. And now swap out Elisha for Jesus. Whenever you don't know what to do, you go to the place where you meet Jesus. You go to the place where you meet Jesus. You see, all of us have to build a room. All of us have to build a place where we will meet him. All of us have to build a place where it becomes our secret place, our secret place. And maybe it's physical. And then other times it's just wherever you are, that's where we're going to do it. But I want to encourage you today that we have to build up with him because there are days coming where you're going to need that room and you're going to need that place. Verse 21, it says, when, when all was lost and she didn't know what to do, she took her lovely son and she brought him to the place that she had built for the man of God and she lays him down. See, the thing about Jesus' church is this, is that just like Elisha went on top of the sun, what did Jesus do for us? He came from his glorious heaven, the paradise in heaven. He came from his glorious throne and he came down and he literally just, he let himself down for us. He let himself down for us. And he doesn't just bring resurrection life, but he brings transformation and destiny and purpose and, and, and all the incredible things that you could dream of. He's just absolutely wonderful in all that he does. And for the woman, this is the room that she built out of kindness, not loss. But who knew that one day she would need it for her son? See, church, we have a decision to make. We live like Christ or not. We live like Jesus or not. You see, for everybody else, when it's difficult, you go down. 
when for everybody else, when it's definitely going to go selfish, when everybody else, you just go into free fall. For everybody else, you just, you do what everybody else does. But for those who know Jesus, we go a different way. We go a different way. We may fall down, but we fall at his feet. We didn't get time to read the story, but when she come to meet Elisha, what does she do? She falls at his feet. Maybe you need to go and fall at the feet of the Savior today because we've been falling all over the place for other things and other ones, but we get to him and we fall at his feet because when you don't, want to, don't know what to do, you fall at his feet and surrender. And as she surrendered everything to him, a long life's journey, look how the Lord honored her, the woman who just fed the prophet, the woman who just built the room, the woman who just had a son, the woman who just lost a son, the woman who just got her son back. This is life. Ever been in it? <laughs> it's ups and downs. It's free falls. It's highs and slows. It's one minute you think you're flying. The next minute you're on the floor. It's one minute you think you're sorted. You'll never have financial issues again and then bankruptcy. I mean, come on. This is just the way life goes. It's chaotic. It's crazy. If it was a theme park, it would be fine. But it's not. It's called life. And it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. But church, I want to encourage you. What we build in our lives is important. I want to encourage you what you're building in your life is important. If you've got to a point where you feel, I, I can't build, then you need help people to help you. She makes room for the man of God and it changes everything. Can we stand together? Come on, church, we're going to pray. I want to give you opportunity. your eyes just for a moment thank you Jesus thank you Lord Lord I pray you just minister to our hearts minister to our minds today Maybe the word for us is to hold on. Maybe the word for us today is that you got to do something extraordinary. You got to do something extravagant. You got to become generous. You're living far too stingy. Maybe the word today is that you've got lost along the way. And instead of turning to Jesus or the man of God, you turn to yourself or to someone else or something else. And he needs to turn you around. He's able to do that. Maybe for you today, it's that you wrote your own story. Well, the good news of Jesus is he's able to wash it white as snow. Come on, maybe for you today, you wrote the end of the story and you just declared some things that weren't true, but at the time you said them because you were just hurting. You just didn't want to believe again. You just couldn't trust again. Remember what the woman says to you, really mean it, sir? Because my heart can't cope if it's not true. Well, we've been there before. I've been there. I'm sure you've been there at times. But the point of the story is always the goodness of God. It's always the goodness of God. There's always a better end than you can think. There's always a better conclusion. 
Lord, I pray today that you're searching our hearts. I pray today, Lord, that you're just moving through our minds. I pray today, Lord, that we are not coming up stuck or lost or beaten or broken, but we're coming up restored. Lord, I pray today and remind us today that the Lord restores all things. doesn't matter if it's been 10 things, 100 things, a million things. He restores everything. Come on, He's a God who restores. He's a God who redeems. He's a God that brings resurrection life. As the Son died in our lap at 12, the Lord had Him resurrected not long after. It's not over. Don't write the end of the story. Keep holding on. Lord, I thank you for resurrection life. I thank you to restore broken lives. I thank you you're in the business of doing it day after day, moment after moment. No matter what we've been through, no matter what we said, no matter what we've done. And I thank you today, Lord, that thousands of years later, the Sunamite woman's story is still being told. And it's still carrying power and it's still carrying your presence. And today, Lord, as we trust in the God that she trusted in, we can see the same results complete breakthrough, complete transformation. Lord, I pray for each person, each person, each person, that the Lord move through your life, that the Holy Spirit move through you and do all that He wants to do. In Jesus' name.